Well, thank you very much. I've got some fun over here we'll talk about in a minute. But how are y'all doing today? Y'all doing okay? Good. Hey, my name is Scott Johnson. I'm the lead pastor here at North Tarrant Church. And I just want to say thank you so very much for being here today. Today we're in week three, as Chanel said, of a series, a time, a season that that we like to call Be Rich. Now, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, week one was actually an opportunity for me as a pastor to beg our congregation to give money. It doesn't happen all the time. And many of you that you came into a church and you're like, yeah, that's all pastors do. But here's the cool thing about what we did and is we asked everybody to give $39.95 and every single penny that was turned into us, we are funneling right out of our organization into local nonprofits, one of which is scholarshipping women who've, who've, been, who've fallen victim to abuse, whether it be domestic or, or whether it be substance abuse within their family, that they're trying to get a foot up and so we get the chance to to offer them a scholarship, to offer them an opportunity for an education so that they can begin the process of finding validation in their life. For so many years, they felt beat down, and yet this is a piece that helps them find validity and find value. And you have had a part of that. And I want to say thank you. And then last week, we talked about the opportunity of what does it really look like to be perfect in our culture? What does it look like to really love our neighbor? What does it look like to love? And and we get be rich, this idea of being rich, we get it from a passage where Paul, who by, I would say, I tend to be a little biased and think Jesus is right there with him, but many social, many secular studiers of Ancient times actually believe that Paul is the most influential person in the spread of Christianity. I tend to think that it's Jesus, but regardless of where you stand, Paul had incredible clout when it came to the spread of the local church. And Paul had one of his protégés, Timothy, was a gentleman that he poured his life into. And he gave Timothy this word of advice, this this word of encouragement that is to a certain degree, become our marching orders when it comes to be rich. In fact, he made this statement. He said, command those who are rich in this present world to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And we've talked about the opportunity to to do good, to be rich, to to be willing to share your good deeds. And today, what we want to do is we want to kind of just land in this idea of just being willing to share. Now, here's what I've seen, and this is what I love about Be Rich. The reason we do Be Rich is because we believe wholeheartedly that everybody matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. And so we want people to experience the love that God has provided for them. We want them to see that through you. We want them to see that that there is a God that matters to them, that, that, they, that they matter too. And you get the chance to be that conduit of grace and of love to showcase to our community. And you know what I've seen over the last couple of weeks? It's been incredible. I have seen, I have seen you do exactly what we're asking you to do. In fact, the first week, I love the pictures that were showcased as as I asked you guys to give and all of a sudden the atrium just became a long line of people with with cards and money just saying, where can I give? I want to be a part of something bigger than than this. I want to help our community. And last week, we made a really big deal about this opportunity to put a a birthday party in a bag 
And, and check out a statement I got, a question I got from, from one of you guys. Um, you only gave me one birthday bag. What if I bought supplies for, say, 10? Do you have extra bags to put it in? You did that. You went above and beyond. You were the ones on the other side that are saying, what can I do to help? I don't just want to do the bare minimum. I want, I want to showcase what God has done for me to a world that needs that hope. And I want to thank you for that. Uh, in fact, to me, this is what I would say is true, is you guys have been absolutely delightful. That's, that's what you've been. As you begin to realize who you are and what you have and how you can give of yourself, you have been delightful. And for me to just sit back and watch, it floors me. I'm humbled that I get the chance to be in the middle of you guys and we get to love our community together. But the cool thing is, and the reason that you've been so delightful is this, is in talking to many of you guys and talking to many of the people in this room is what I've found is that many of us have been so wrecked by the grace that God has provided us that we just have to do something about it. That we've been so moved by what God has done in and through our life, by what Jesus has done on behalf of me, that there's no other way that I can explain it but just to, to give of myself. And I love it. You have been absolutely delightful. And so today, what I want to do as we, as we land the plane on this series is I want to really key in on this word. Because I really believe that hidden within this word is a challenge to us as the local church. Hidden within this word is a challenge to you and I, to us, not corporately as the church, but, but individually as we take on our lives together in whatever field we walk into tomorrow. Now, if you take the word delightful and you were to break it down, um, my boy's in preschool and he's learning syllables. And so we were doing syllables the other day like Scott Lewis Johnson. Scott Lewis Johnson, right. He did it better than me, all right? Let's just leave it at that. He's, he's teaching me a thing or two. But if you, if you really break it down, you have delightful. You've got three syllables that, that break up this one word, delightful. And, and I love that right in the middle of this word is a beautiful word, a descriptive word that describes you and I that describes how you and I are supposed to act and be and do in the midst of our community. In fact, if you were to define delightful, um, it really means to be full of light. To be delightful really means that you are full of light, that you have light flowing through you, that everywhere you go, that people look at you like, you are so delightful. In other words, you are so full of light. When I see you, it's not this, oh my goodness, just quit being so cheery. It's this idea that every time I see you, you bring a smile to my face. 
This idea that we are to be full of light is never more apparent than when we look into the world that we live in and we begin to think about the darkness and the frustration and the hurdles and the angst that we have every time we open up the news or we look at life in general and we begin to think, what in the world can I do? And Jesus is like, here's your mission, here's your mandate. Don't worry about what they're doing. I want you to be full of light. So for you and I, for us, this is our calling. This is what it looks like to be delightful. Now, today, I really think that we get this word, we get this idea from a passage that Jesus gave to us. Jesus was in the midst of, of challenging and encouraging the local church, and, and he begins to share what this really looks like. He begins to share what it is to be delightful. In fact, he challenges the, the, the individuals that were listening in in this sermon, but he doesn't just challenge them. I believe he speaks through the pages of this, of this account of this sermon and right into us. And what he says to them and what he says to us is so valuable, and here's why. Because we have the ability, we have the opportunity, we have the propensity from time to time to drift off course. We have the opportunity so many times to, to drift from where we've been called to be, from what we've been called to do, and to drift off course and begin to be more me-focused than what Jesus has called us to be. And so Jesus has called us to be delightful. So where did I get that from? Well, Matthew Chapter 5, Jesus is in one of his most famous sermons. He says, you are the light of the world. You, not just being his hearers, not just the people that are sitting in front of him. He's saying, you, that anybody who hears this, anybody that reads this, you going beyond just this sermon on this mountaintop, you are the light of the world. Hmm. That's what followers of Jesus are supposed to look like and be like. I asked the question last week, and can I ask you again? When you think about your standard follower of Jesus, or let's just use the word Christian, when you think about your standard Christian, do you think about them as a light unto the world? I mean, you should. I want it to be true. But oftentimes when you ask the unsuspecting individual that doesn't go to church, hey, tell me about your experience with Christians. Their, their, their go-to is not, oh, they're such the light of the world. It's not. And he goes on and he says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. He says, you are the light of the world and a town built on a hill, it cannot be hidden. And so when you get the chance to, to, to be lights in our world, when you get the chance to celebrate, to do great things in our community, I want to applaud you and I want to tell you thank you. In fact, in just a couple of weeks, we are getting the chance to celebrate Christmas Christmas is the time when the ultimate light, the light of the world, Jesus Christ came into our world and he lived amongst us. And we get the chance to celebrate that light as he came into our life and what does that look like and the implications that are there. But I love the reality that, that Jesus came to showcase what it means to be the light. So the beautiful thing is, and the challenge for us, is that you are the light of the world, which means everywhere you go, you need to be carrying a light. Everywhere, not a flashlight on your phone. That's, that's obvious. But everywhere we go, we should be notorious for being light. We should be notorious for being delightful. Now, here's what I want, I want to 
showcase with you, I want to challenge you for a second, is, is I know from time to time, like, Scott, I think what you're trying to tell me is, is everywhere I go, I need to be talking about Jesus and be talking about a relationship, and I need to be, like, vomiting at the mouth about everything godly and Jesus and religion, and don't you know, like, the guy down the, the hall from me, that's what he's notorious for. In fact, I enjoy talking about him at the water cooler just because he's the one who has his nose to the sky and thinks everybody that everything else, everything that everybody else does is just not okay. This is, we're not talking about religion. What I want to encourage you and what I want to challenge you is, is for us to really be the light of the world, it means that we are just so excited about the grace that God has showcased you that we can't help but, but share. We can't help but do the things that, that lights do and light up a dark world. You see, this isn't about religion and putting your finger out and putting your nose to the sky and saying, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. Oh, if you were a good Christian, yeah, I'm documenting that. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to pray that you get healing. I'm going to pray that God saw that, right? Like, you work with those people. May that never be you. But he, he goes on and he says this as he's continuing. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And then he says this, neither do People light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone that sees it. You see, the beautiful thing is Jesus said that you and I, that we are lights. He said that everywhere we go, we should be shining a light so that our life can shine for all to see. And the beautiful thing is, you and I, we have a story. We've got a story of a light. We've got a story of how the light has impacted our life. We've got a story of how we've experienced the grace and the forgiveness that God has showcased us. We've got a story of what Jesus has done on our behalf and how there have been times in our life where we shouldn't have got the favor. We shouldn't have gotten what we got. There have been times in our life where we felt down and out. And the words of the song that we just sang were true, that even in those difficult times, I realized that, God, you were still there for me. You see, we have a story of how Jesus is constantly there for us, but it's not just the story. You see, we get the chance to let our light shine through our story as we're talking about who we are, as we're talking about what we did on Sunday morning. And I'll be like, oh, I went to church, and he turned on a few lights, and it was just glad he got me out by the football game, right? Like, we have a story of an incredible God who sent his son on your behalf so that you can live without the guilt and the shame and the frustration that so many of us deserve. And we don't have to live with that. Not only do we have the opportunity to share our light through our story, but we get the chance to share our light through our finances. And here's the beautiful thing that you guys did is just a couple of weeks ago, you gave $39.95 or maybe more. We had an average of just under $80 per person that gave, which is phenomenal. I said $39.95. You doubled it. Who are you? You got the chance to allow your light shine through your finances. You got the chance to allow your light to shine through the hard money that you earned. Thank you. And everywhere you go, you get the chance to showcase the story of the light through your finances, <laughs> through the way you tip your waiter or waitress. Um, Sunday's coming, and I, 
I've been told many times, being in the waiting industry as well as a pastor, sometimes I'll ask, hey, so what do you think about those Christians? Are they the light of your world? And like, no, they don't know how to tip. What? We should allow our light to shine through everything we do when it comes to our finances. We, I'm so grateful that so many of you are so generous. But what an incredible opportunity it is for us to allow our light to shine in our finances. It, not just that, but what about your work life? I mean, I mentioned earlier about the, <laughs> you know that Christian that works there that you love to talk about at the water cooler. I probably would too, let's be honest. But many of you in here, you have, you have great opportunity within your workplace to, to, to garnage, to leverage influence. And when I say this, when I say you need to let your light shine and work, what I'm not saying is this. You need to go back to work. You need to, you need to have a bunch of Bible studies. You need to bring everybody into prayer time. Like, I, I, not that I'm diminishing the reality of prayer, but could it be that, that what God thinks is the best thing you could do with work is you doing your job ethically, morally, doing it to the best of your ability, doing everything. In fact, Paul says everything you do, you should do it for the glory of God, not just the prayer time you have at lunch, but the way you treat that 9 to 10 o'clock hour, the way you treat that 4 to 5 o'clock hour when you know everybody's cutting corners and saying, I'm out. <laughs> is it close? I can round up, right? 425 rounds up to 430, which also rounds up to 5. I can go. I mean, do we let our light shine with our work? with the way we leverage our reality. I really believe that God desires excellence and God wants you to treat what you do on a vocational basis as good and as great and as excellent as you possibly can. Which means if you're a barista tomorrow morning when you see that, that you know, that, that guy comes in and you can never make his coffee right, you still put that smile on your face, you say, thank you. When you see that person, that custodian that walks in and you're just so frustrated and you know that they have a thousand middle schoolers that they're constantly trying to keep clean and they just keep picking on your room and maybe you can offer them thank you. Maybe you can offer them a word of congratulations, a gift card to their favorite place. We can let our light shine through our work and not just that. And I know this might, many of you are like, I'm not in school, but got a cute little desk lamp because that's what typically you would use when you're doing your homework, right? You got a cute little desk lamp to illuminate. If you're a student, can I tell you the way you do your math homework is just as important as how you sing the songs to Jesus? Can I tell you the way that you treat the relationships within your school are just as important as the prayer times you have? that when we get the chance to showcase our light, it's not just about a vertical reality. It is about us showcasing the grace that Jesus has shown us and leveraging it in every avenue of life. And not just school, but relationships. As a church, our model is one that we believe relationships are valuable. We, we believe you can't grow spiritually unless you connect relationally. But the reason we believe that is because within our relationships, there's opportunities for you to shine a light. 
Within relationships, it's an opportunity for you to be curious about your neighbor, to be curious about the people around the corner. And in that curiosity, maybe they will begin to trust you and say, why are you always so delightful? What is it about you? Every time I come, I see your light is shining in and through you. And there's got to be something more to you because you can't always be like that. And then you get the chance to showcase your story through a relationship. And it's because at the, at the center point of our life, we believe that our lives were transformed because of a significant relationship. That God, that you mattered so much to God that he was willing to send his son on your behalf because he wanted a relationship with you so that, that you can be one with him. And that's why we do be rich, because we believe that everybody matters to God. So as we showcase our lights in, our, in the multiple stages of our life, we get the chance to showcase an incredible grace that God has shown us. Now, here's what I know about light is this, is light illuminates. I mean, light illuminates. Ultimately, light, when we are showcasing the light in our life, it illuminates a pathway towards Jesus. When you showcase this idea that you are so delightful, it, it illuminates a pathway for you to begin to talk about how you've been wrecked by the grace of God and you just can't help but be like, okay, God, I'll tell you, I don't deserve it, but, but Jesus has paid the price for me and I am beyond grateful. Here, here's my story. Light illuminates. Not only does it illuminate, but light influences. Light influences. As you let your light shine before men in your workplace, did you know it's going to influence those around you? As you let your light shine before your neighbors, it will influence those around you to begin to ask questions of you. As you let your light shine before those at school, as you tip extraordinarily well this afternoon after the Cowboys beat the Lions, you laugh. You laugh. But it influences them. And they ask, why did you tip me so well? And you don't say, because the Cowboys won. You say, because of what Jesus has done on my behalf. Not only does it illuminate, it influences, but light impacts. Light impacts our culture. It impacts our world. We talked about this idea that, that to be delightful means that we need to be light in a dark world. Did you know that if we collectively would be the lights that God has called us to be, it can change our culture. It can change our community. It can change not just our community, but it can change the communities around us, which then can elicit change and change and change. But it starts simply with you being the light. Because light illuminates, light influences, and ultimately light impacts. Now I want to share a, an illustration with you guys, a story that happened about, uh, about a year ago, maybe a little less than that. But it, it's a story, and, and I hesitate to even share it, and here's why. is because I don't want to share this story with you, and you begin to think, well, <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's her stage. That will never be my stage. I want to share this with you because I firmly believe that you and I, that we all have stages in our life. And the reality is it doesn't matter how big the stage is, that God is not determined. God is not, he's not worried about the size of the stage. 
But he's, he's more worried about what you do with it, your stewardship of what you do with your life. You see, God isn't impressed with stages. God's impressed with the stewardship that you have of your stage. God isn't impressed with how big or grandiose your stage really is. He just wants to know that you're a good steward of what he's granted you. A couple, about a year ago, there's a, a, a musical artist who actually um, uh, three, four, five years ago led, uh, was one of the lead singers at Gwinnett Church, which is one of the campuses of North Point. Um, she's a girl that she left leading on their stage and became a crossover artist that probably many of you have heard of. I think her name is um, Lauren Daigle. Yeah, thank you, Lauren, Lauren Daigle. I, names, you know, they, they, they pass me up, right? Lauren Daigle was asked at one point to jump onto the Ellen DeGeneres show. And when she got on the Ellen show, she was asked on that show to sing a specific song. In fact, the lyrics to the song go like this. Now that you saved me, I sing because you gave me a song of revival. Put it on a vinyl and rise up, rise up. I mean, you think about that. Lauren Daigle, who when she stands on a stage and she sings, she, pro, she sings to millions of people all over the country. I think she's in Germany right now, if I'm not mistaken. She's singing to people in Germany about this. Well, Ellen invited her on her show and she got the chance to sing about a God that saved her and gave her a second chance. And so what does she want to do? She wants to put the song of revival and put it on a vinyl and to rise up, rise up. And what an incredible opportunity for her to let her light shine before men. And you know what, what was unfortunate was in the midst of this hurdle, Lauren, she took a lot of heat. And I wish I could say it was from a lot of Christians, or I wish I could say it was a lot of non-Christians that are like, how dare you sing about Jesus on national TV? How dare you propagate your religion on the Ellen show? What is wrong with you? But the reality was, is it wasn't from the people who hated Jesus. In fact, there were many people that rose up and basically told, or were boycotting, were boycotting many of Lauren's or concerts because she opted to sing a song that glorifies God on a very public reality, a public TV show. And when I look at that, I can't help but think the verse that we had was this idea that neither should you take your light and put it under a bowl, that ultimately what was asked of Lauren was, hey, I know you've got a chance to, to let your light shine before men, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do is instead of letting it shine, why don't you just put a bowl over it? And I don't want you to do anything. You need to avoid being with the world. You need to avoid allowing your light to shine. We just want you to just come back and come back on our stages and quit singing about Jesus in public scenarios. But that's what happened to Lauren was in the midst of her singing, she was ridiculed because she opted to sing about God on a very public, very secular show in the middle of the daytime reality. And Christians, by and large, stood up and said, we should not honor her. What does that say to a lost world? 
What does that say to a world that they're wanting answers, they're wanting hope, they're wanting somebody to be able to lean into and to be able to honor, they're wanting somebody to accept them, to love them and to value them. And yet when they look at the actual the organization, if you would, that is supposed to be filled with hope, that is supposed to be sending people out to love, that's sending people out to be lights in our world. There's this idea that rather than being a light, we <laughs> I don't want you to go there. How dare you let your light shine before those men? How dare you let your light shine in that capacity? Why don't, why don't you just roll it back a little bit, Lauren? Let's just come back and let's just sing cute little worship songs on a stage. You see, Lauren got the chance to showcase her light, and she did it proudly. And it's something you and I, it's something we can, can lean into. Because what Jesus has called us to do is to be light, regardless of where you go, regardless of what stage. It doesn't matter how many millions or how many few are following you. We all have a stage. And Jesus is more concerned with the stewardship of the stage than he is the, the size of the platform. So when it comes to your story, when it comes to your finances, your work, when it comes to your school, your relationships, I want to ask you, how bright is your light? What does it look like? Because Jesus told us, he encouraged us, he challenged us. That in the way we live, we should live in such a way that we let our light shine. In fact, he said it in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world, regardless of what stage you're on. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. They put it on the stage. They put it on your stage. They put it in your family. They put it in your neighborhood. They put it in your cubicle. They put it in your corner. They put those people in your influence so that you can be a light. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. <laughs> it gives light to everyone in the house. So for you and I, for us, we... We don't need to be confused by how big the stage needs to be. We need to be good stewards of the stages, of the lampstands that God has given us. And I love this. It, so that in the same way, here's his reality. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, that's why we have the light. That is our mandate. That is our calling. So we, from time to time, leverage a saying. It's for North Tarrant. And the reason we leverage that saying is because there's this idea that we've decided that we want to ask the question, you know, what do we want to be known for? I've, it's a question I've been asking with our steering team, with our leadership team, with our, the directors of our ministry areas. It's a question that we've legitimately been asking since we were a group of about 20 adults sitting in a living room in Lake Worth dreaming about what this could be. And we began asking the question, what do we want to be known for? What do we want when, when people think about us as a church? What do we want to be known for? And then we've got to pause for a second. Then we've got to ask the question, but what are we known for? We always want to be thinking about what do we want to be known for, but then we've got to pause and say, okay, but what are we known for? And here's what I found. 
And this is why this is such a big deal. This is why Be Rich is such a big deal is because many people are more familiar with what the church is against than what the church is for. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against than what the church is for. And for us, we want to be, we want to be known for what we're for. And so when we were thinking about what kind of church name we want, I mean, there's a lot of cute religious names that you could throw out. I mean, you can, you can just do a Google search on church names. But we wanted North Tarrant Church because we wanted to be very strategic and specific about who we're for. We wanted to be very strategic and specific about what does that look like. So we opted to go with North Tarrant Church so that we can be a reminder every time we think about our name that this is who we're for. We are for the people in and around North Tarrant. We're for the people in and around this community, this area. And ultimately, I would even begin the process of saying, um, we are for you and we are for the people in and around your spheres of influence. Because I realize there are some of you that you work in Dallas and there's not going to be many people in Dallas that are going to be coming to church with you on Sunday morning. But you know what? You get the chance to be a light every time you walk into the doors. There are people in here that you live in Wise County and it's like, how can people in Wise County, are they really going to drive this far for church? I think they might. But you know what? You get the chance to be for the people in your community so that we can let our light shine before men, wherever we are. So when we do Be Rich, there's a component of give and there's a component of serve and there's a component of love. And we talked about the different components, but when we really leverage the idea of love, the ultimate idea is how can we let our light shine before men? How can we let our light shine in our community? How can we leverage the stages that we've been given to make much of the story that God has given us. So today, our focus is the idea of love. And here's what I think is very adequate, is, is this idea of loving others, of being a light, is central to what it means to be for. You can't be for somebody that you don't love. You can't be for somebody that you're not willing to share your light with. You can't be for someone that you're not willing to share your reality with. So our challenge this week is relatively simple. We want you to do something thoughtful for someone who will be surprised that you thought of them. We want you to do something thoughtful for somebody that would be surprised that you even thought of them. We want you to think about somebody, maybe a public servant, maybe it's your mailman. He comes every single week, rain, sleet, snow, or hail, and he delivers your mail. Maybe you want to take this little card. We've, everybody got one of these cards. Um, and there's a little card that you can just take like a cutter and and you've got an awesome card that you can send to somebody. Maybe you want to put an envelope. I know it says there's, an, there's envelopes um, that they... They are, they're still there. They're just at Walmart. And so, <laughs> just telling you, they're, they're there. Just. But it makes a great postcard, by the way. Anyway, maybe for some of you, you, ha you work with, you know a police officer in your neighborhood. Maybe for some of you, you know many people in the medical professional, you, you know, the medical profession. You know individuals that, that have jobs that are rarely thanked. <laughs> Maybe for some of you, you know a teacher in your community that it's like, oh my goodness, maybe, maybe it's your kids' teachers. 
And maybe you need to put lots of gift cards in there. Just, just please, I'm not bribing you for good grades, but I know my kids, and so please help them. But here's what we want you to do is we want to encourage you this week to do something thoughtful, to cut this out and just write a thank you note. Thank you so much for, and be personal. Don't just be like, thank you so much for being a postman. Sign, peace, right? Like, thank you for being a postman. Sign, 3801 Drexmore. Like, actually use your name. Like, don't be... It, but do something thoughtful for someone who will be surprised you thought of them. And if that becomes our reality, if that becomes what we are known for, you know what's going to happen is everywhere we go, this idea of what can I do for somebody that they would be surprised I did it for them. It's not going to be a one-time deal. It's going to begin to infect your life. It's going to begin to affect the decisions that you make. It's going to begin to affect the way you handle the stages you've been given. You see, God's not concerned, impressed by the stage that you have. He's impressed by the stewardship with which you use your stages. So may we let our light shine before men so that many will see and realize that you, that you, that you are for them because God is for them. And if God is for them, then you better believe we should be for them too. God, we love you. And I thank you for lights. I thank you for the fact that you are a big God. And God, sometimes it can be difficult for us to really think about what we want to do. God, it can be difficult for us to think about what, what can we do to love other people. And God, I, I will confess that there's many times that I have seen opportunities and the selfishness inside of me has squashed the idea because it might, it might elicit a conversation. It, it, might, it might cause me to be late for a meeting. It might... God, it might cause me to have to pray for somebody that I just really, if I'm honest, don't want to have to pray for. But God, I pray that you would cause all of us to pause this week and you would grant us incredible eyes to see as you see and the ears to do as you say and give us the courage to be lights in our world. Give us the courage to be lights with the stages we have. Give us the courage, Father, to shine for the world to see, not so we can be the religious nut, but so that we can communicate to a broken and dark world that you love us. And through the way we treat our community, our stages, our lampstands, may our community see that you love them too. So God, we need you. We need you now more than ever. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.